Value Coffee Talk podcast. Hi, I'm April Morley, co-founder of Genius Drive and the Enterprise Value Collective. And I'm Tom Pasello, the ROI guy. This podcast is a service of the Enterprise Value Collective, a community for business value-focused leaders and practitioners, and is sponsored by our, G our consultancy, Genius Drive. And our mission, it's to help accelerate and optimize value articulation in each of your customer engagements and throughout your customer lifecycle. Uh, today, we are joined by Anita Nielsen. Hi, Anita. Hello. Anita, in case you don't know, is a top LinkedIn sales influencer. She's a sales enablement consultant and a sales performance coach as founder of her advisory services, LDK. And she's author of the book, Be the bots, how your humanity can future proof your sales career. And it is that book that we're going to focus on today. Anita, recent research by Forrester, it was really interesting to me. And it said, look, AI is going to be a big initiative coming into 2024. You're going to have to take advantage of it. But surprisingly, 70% of BD B2B buyers, they're already feeling like their purchase experience is negatively impacted by, in particular, generic AI-generated content. And this suggests that these early attempts at using generative AI in B2B sales, B2B marketing, they're not meeting buyer expectations. Um, tell us what you think about current AI sales and marketing use of AI. For sure. So when I hear you said like generic, right, I think that's the moral of the story. People can tell when something is generic versus when someone puts some thought into it. Um, you know, even just even just early on when you're doing research and you, for example, are looking at LinkedIn, you can actually look at comments and see which ones came from AI. I don't know exactly how they got there, but you can I mean, it, it's visible that this is not mm -hmm. something a human wrote. Um, so everywhere I look, there's people that are going to be able to discern whether it's AI or not. And if that hasn't happened a lot yet, it's a matter of time, right? People are going to get used to the fact that this is bogus. This is not coming from a human. And then it's almost, I feel like it's insulting, right? Like, do you really think that I would um, think that a human wrote this? So I think buyers are getting savvy. They have been for quite some time and they're getting into AI as well. So they know how it can and can't be used, not all, but especially like your technical buyers. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, it's still, you still got to use it as a tool. It's not like you're primary way of communicating with people. It's just, that's a bad idea. And what I tell my sales reps is, look, if a machine can do what you're doing, then just stop because then that machine ultimately is going to do what you're doing and you will not. Mm -hmm. So if you're not creating some sort of differentiation in there, if you're not being who you are, good luck with that. It's not sustainable. So yeah, I've got a lot of, in case you couldn't tell, opinions on AI in the sales <laughs> process and marketing. Yeah, great points. Um, and so we know that AI can be a multiplier and you have to figure out how to use it to stay ahead. So how do you recommend sellers leverage AI to be more effective? Yeah, that's a tough one because, I mean, there's so many different uses of it. And I think a lot of it links back into how marketing is using it. So I feel like AI currently is in pretty decent hands with marketing in terms of messaging, right? And what the content is that they're putting out. Mm -hmm. But for salespeople, so take a step back. I look at marketing as the people that are telling the overall story, right? Of an ideal client of the business that you're selling from the types of business. So you're telling the big story, like the overall, but it's not a salesperson to tell that personalized story, right? And that kind of human to human, because it's not a business to business. It's a human to human within businesses. 
And so it's just interesting that marketing seems to have gotten it, but salespeople, it's like, um, you know, power corrupts you, right? This power of being able to do this by scale, it takes out of your mind that, look, the scale is important, but if you don't retain those personal components of it, you're going to get, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? Like, so the mm -hmm. kind of customers you're going to get probably aren't going to be the kind of customers you want, but it depends. If you are a salesperson and you're trying to scale and you're doing things that are not personal, the fact that you can sit there and expect that you're going to get big scale is probably false. Now, do some people do it? I'm sure they do but I'm a purist when it comes to sales, right? And how it's a relationship business and how value is in the eye of the buyer. So for me, this is all just kind of like, okay, let's see how this goes. Yeah, Anita, I couldn't agree more in that. I think the big issue is scale. When you look at it for scaling and scaling sales, if that scale can't be done on a personalized basis, and that authentic voice can't come through, I think that's where the issue is. And I think that you're right. In marketing, you can use it a little bit for scale. You can ask it for persona information, first cuts at the messaging and to do review and edit copy and come up with content and content that'll help people define you through search engine optimization. There's a lot of use cases. When it comes to sales, some of the use cases I've seen that are good are you know, asking it you know, questions that you would normally ask to a search engine of, okay, tell me what's important to this type of a buyer. Tell me what questions I should ask this person. Um, tell me a little bit about this industry or this particular company even, and the generative AI can help with a lot of that research and background information that you can then leverage and personalize. Um, talk about how you can leverage it for that kind of content and some of the use cases that you see working best. I think you've I think you've covered it. So really before any first customer call in particular, I, there better be some research happening and ChatGPT is so much better when it comes to research than Google is. Like Google, yeah. I will be down a research rabbit hole so fast and 4 hour later later I'll surface to be like, wait, what was I trying to do again? Mm -hmm. And with ChatGPT I'll say, look, here's my persona. I want to know what are some of the first questions I should ask. Why don't you tell me what are the top of mind um, challenges for them today? So that type of informing me, right? Giving me the knowledge um, that I need to be able to have that conversation in a way that I customize and I tailor and I personalize. So feed me all the things and then let my brain figure out when it makes sense in the conversation. Does it make sense? Or maybe this isn't right. Because by the way, ChatGPT is not always right, mm -hmm. right? It continues to get better, but sometimes, sometimes some of the things that come on, it's like, no, that's not what I asked you. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so it's just being discerning. And I think that salespeople in particular, your job as a salesperson is to help the buyer buy, right? And that means understanding like their buyer journey. So you can ask questions about that. Will it be spot on? I don't know, but it gives you enough to inform good questions. Buyers will judge your credibility a lot on the questions you ask, right? So for today, if someone goes in and says, what keeps you up at night, you're probably not going to make a sale period. Because Absolutely. 10 years ago, when the training company that trained that, it caught on and now everybody asks it. So the answer you're gonna get is my five month old toddler keeps me up at night, right? Like this is a bogus question. So get it to inform very powerful, high impact questions that then you can um, get the answer from the buyer and then tailor the conversation. It's almost like, don't get all your questions. Don't start reading a list of questions. These are bad behaviors. We don't want those. Let it inform you, the buyer or the seller who knows his buyer, who knows how to sell, let it help you in that process, but don't let it own. Do not give it the wheel. That's not how you want to play. You, you know, 
it's a good passenger, good backseat driver to have, but it's not in charge. It's not in charge of those conversations. Yeah. I like Microsoft's term for it in terms of co-pilot. Like yes. they're there mm-hmm. to help guide you and assist you in mm-hmm. it. And one of the things later in the sales cycle, you spoke about early being able to do that research of the industry, the persona, the questions to ask. Later on, you can ask it things like based on these challenges that the buyer is looking to solve, what is the value that can be derived from it? And you can get very particular in terms of ways to solve the solution, challenges that customers have had in uh, solving these problems, um, the value that ultimately can be delivered. And so it's almost like having this sales expert with you or industry expert to help guide you through the conversations. And that's how I love to use it the most. It's awesome because like, so for me, a lot of my work is with tech sales, right? So when you're sitting and you're looking at security is obviously a big one always. So when I'm selling a security product and I've gone through the exercise with ChatGPT to tell them who my buyer is and it's told me, you know, what their biggest challenges are. And then I say, okay, well, this is the product that I'm going to sell it, right? You can even cut and paste into there. Yeah. Tell me what is going to be valuable for them. I think one day I even put something like, what will this look like if implemented? And it actually, I mean, all the answers were not all great, but there was a couple that were in there that got my juices going. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, some people have that white page syndrome. That's a little bit me. Mm-hmm. I'll look at a blank screen, like, okay, how do I start? Well, if you have something to just get you started, sometimes you can just soar if you have that. And I think that's another thing for salespeople. Sometimes you just need to put enough there so that their wheels get turning. Um, and, you know, the best salespeople are the ones that are constantly thinking and being curious about their buyers. So if I, the thing about the questions is I can do that. That's great. But I also have to be thoughtful when I ask them because curiosity is what keeps me successful. Mm-hmm. If I take, let this machine tell me what I need to ask and I forget to ask the things that my, my subconscious, my conscious, we all know we need to ask. Now you've lost out on all that information that you could have gotten. And maybe you've gotten more of a clinical type information as opposed to the information that's laden with emotions, which ultimately are going to create the buying decision. I'm curious from the perspective of the personalization and the generic approach. I've seen that some technologies out there have taken generic messaging and done some scanning of LinkedIn profiles or, you know, just publicly available information to customize the outreach. I'm curious your perspective on that approach and the impact. I think it'll work sometimes, but it's only as good as the data that it looks at, right? So LinkedIn, for example, you know, some people, believe it or not, are still using it just as like their resume, right? Mm -hmm. And so it may be so outdated that what you see is not even accurate in there. Um, And it's, it's only as good as that data. LinkedIn data is pretty up to the minute in terms of, you know, kind of the changes that are happening, companies, all that information. But when it comes to individuals, now you're taking into account that that individual is up to date on whatever their personal profile and their brand is. That's not true. I and mean, I know way too many people that just like made it, you know, late nineties and then just forgot about it. Right. Um, yeah. and, and that's bad because now if that happens, then they're gonna be like, what the hell that does not even happen anymore. So it's only as good as that personal information that you can glean from it. And that only works for buyers that are actually using it as a tool for their own brand and their own voice, which is not everybody mm-hmm. depending on your industry. So, um, I think that one does have a chance of working though. Because if you do have a buyer who's totally up to date and they're out there posting and mm-hmm. now that, that AI or technology scans it, it might actually, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while, right? So <laughs> it might grab a couple things and you might get a couple. Um, but I still think that you have to have a human look through it and just kind of make sure. But 
then again, that's not going to send out 800 outbound messages. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like how do you find the balance? I know. And that is the challenge, right? We want to have scale because in one way, marketing in particular and sales too can be a numbers game. Uh, but at the same time, you want it to not feel like a numbers game from the buyer's perspective and you want to feel like a make it feel like it's very, very unique and very personal. And that's that authenticity, I think, will become that much more special going Absolutely. forward. And I think that's the big opportunity now with AI is that yeah. if you have so many people using it at scale, if you can find a differentiating, authentic, transparent way to engage it can be that much more effective. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it, right? Like if we use it again as a tool that's going to help us with our conversations and help us win that buyer and um, help them make that decision, golden. But if it's going to try to falsely represent me as a seller, so what happens if the um, outbound message that went out was so detailed and it pulled something from their profile? Now I got to go meet with that person by accident. You know, it actually worked. And I didn't do my homework as a sales professional. So when mm -hmm. they talked to me about the fact that I went to XYZ University, I'd be like, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's what you sent me when you sent me the message. Like that'll mm -hmm. happen a few times where people are just going to assume that that's all bogus too. Yeah. So or on the business side, right? And either like, like you're talking yes. to a business challenge uh, in the outreach email that AI generated, but then they get you on the phone and it's clear that you don't have that background and can't support the goods. And, and I think that's a problem too. Yeah. One area that I know a lot of our customers are focused on because they're software as a service and you spoke about yourself a lot are, are in yeah. su uh, success is the area of customer success. Herein lies a great opportunity to leverage AI, but also some of these same challenges. Talk about customer success and AI potential. Yeah, so customer success has always been something that's so um, meaningful to me because to me, that is where the value is captured, right? That's where like it's recognized and realized. And so mm -hmm. it's no small charter, right? For these people to have to do that. But part of that value is if you understand that person that just now it's a customer, not a buyer anymore. So you understand them. You understand if you're doing your QBRs, for example, and you're seeing kind of what's happening with their business. Well, I'm going to go ask ChatGPT, like, hey, what's the latest on this, right? Assuming you have the higher level or if you use one of the other tools that's more current, I would love to share that content, but sharing that content alone is going to become spam. So sharing content that says, hey, remember in our last QBR, we talked about this. This is what I found. And here's some feedback on it. Let's take a look at this. Um, do you want to set up some time? So again, if you're using it as a tool to help you get closer to your buyer, but you're adding your comments to it, now you've got something super powerful, I think. And, you know, sometimes if you, if you even just know your buyer and you know some of the people around them, you can use that as a tool to actually get to other people, to go wider, right? So if you're talking to somebody and they are, for example, a CIO, now you've already built a relationship. You've sent them some good, valuable content. Well, there might be people that are in his team. Like you maybe have somebody who's looking over DR. You might have someone who's, um, you know, looking over, I don't even know anything in the technology space, my world. And you can say, hey, look, I found this article for your so-and-so person. Not sure if this is what you guys are up to, but wanted to share it with you. Okay, mm -hmm. so inevitably that CIO worth their salt is going to share it with whoever that person is. And so now your name has been in front of somebody else at that company, right? So God forbid that CIO disappears, you've gone. Because one of the biggest things is we don't go wide. We like have our champion and mm -hmm. we stick with them. That's a bad idea. So I think there's things like that that you can do. But again, this was a human brain that had to think through this to figure out how can I use it. 
So you're, you're operating the technology, you're telling it what to do, and then you're customizing what it did to make sure it lines up with what your intent was to begin with. Mm -hmm. So you can deepen the relationship with your champions and broaden the relationship across the organization, leveraging these ideas. Yeah, especially like if you are a good, if you're really good at your job and customer success, right? You understand kind of what the personal like objectives are for that person. You don't know just their role. You mm -hmm. understand that they need, they want to be that role in that company one day. Okay, so now when you know Harvard Business Review comes out with an article about being an operations officer, I, I'm all over it, and I'm going to send it over. And I, you know, AI can't necessarily do that. Maybe the step I could do is ask AI, what's the best article out there on XYZ, and then you share that. So now I'm enabling their success. So look, if AI is going to help me help my customers and buyers be successful, count me in, but it can't tell me how to do that, mm -hmm. right? Like I have to use it. It's like when they say a fool with a tool is still a fool, right? So how I wield it is how the outcome is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a learning curve. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of mistakes made in the process as people start leveraging the technology. Um, and, and best practices are hard to implement no matter what it is. How would you go about implementing best practices for AI across an organization? Yeah, that's tough. So I think first it starts with discovery about the organization. So if I'm looking and I'm working with sales leaders, I need to understand first, what are they up to and what are they trying mm -hmm. to do? Tell me your ideal client profile. Tell me where you've struggled communicating with them. And then it goes back to creatively looking at AI and being like, okay, how do I do this? What should I do? One example of AI, and I can't remember the name of the tool, but um, oh, it's going to drive me bananas. But anyway, there's a tool that you can actually upload Salesforce data into, and it'll pull out the trends for you as a sales rep that you need to see, or as a sales leader that you need to see. So now I don't have to go through it. It's going to just tell me. Mm -hmm. Salesforce probably does a lot of it itself, but now that's information that's valuable to help me go help that seller be better and maybe help inform me and how I coach. I've actually used a use case where I've told um, ChatGPT that, hey, I I've got a um, customer and they are a sales leader and they need to set an agenda up for their one-on-ones, but they've historically struggled in this. What do you think? Now, it gives me 18 options of which three are valid, but I'll take it, right? That's three that I didn't have to go look up myself. Yeah. So I think there's creative ways to do it, but it all starts with what's that organization's objective? What are their strengths and weaknesses? and you know, how savvy are their salespeople? I'm amazed at how many companies salespeople don't even want to touch AI, which clearly for me hurts my feelings because it's like, you, if you don't learn how to work with this, you're going to get left behind and we don't want that. Learn it so you can control it instead of it controlling your fate, right? So I'm amazed at how sad that is. And I think there's like statistics that actually even talk about that, how adoptions increased huge over just the past year, but it's still not anywhere near what it would need to be. So mm -hmm. yeah, it, it depends. See, but this is where I'm me, right? Like you asked me a question about what do you do with sales organizations? I'm going to go right to the personalize it. That's just the nature of, you know, how I sell. I want to know everything about them and then I'm going to find that solution. But that's different. That's a different way of selling than, you know, just trying to go out there and get people. And you talked about it where, you know, know what the objectives are, know what the challenges that that sales yeah. leader is having, know what the challenges that the team has. And then I think it's going along the lines of what you said, there are very specific use cases where we know that it can have a big impact in helping to solve some of those objectives or challenges that they're having. Oh, yeah. I think defining those very succinctly with the group and then showing them exactly how to use the tools to take advantage of the generative AI is going to and be how critical. Not. Yeah, how and how not to. I found yeah. that whole how not thing. Do's and the don'ts. 
<laughs> with our audience. Exactly. The do's and don'ts. Like they need to know because salespeople are so creative, right? So we might go and find a way and haven't thought through exactly what the impact of it. So hundred yeah. percent, you're right. How to and how maybe not to. Exactly. Um, you know, you don't want to be creepy, which is what I always say. Yeah. But I think having those use cases where don't think your sellers are going to figure out what questions maybe to ask the generative AI. I mean, there are good ones that are going to do that and they're going to go off on their own. And that's excellent. You've got your yes. lone wolves and your, your high performers, but exactly. it's the middlers and the lower performers where we've got to give an edge. And I think really defining those specific use cases, specific, you yeah. know, before you meet with the customer. Look up the persona, ask ChatGPT these questions, yeah. you know, yes. do this, do that. And having it a little bit more prescriptive for them, I think will give them a, a good head start going into this year. Totally. And I think there's going to be a reckoning too, right? The sales leaders are going to have to look and when they figure out what it is that they're going to teach their sales teams about AI, right? What those use cases are and how they want to um, help enable those people. Well, at some point there's going to be people that are complacent that aren't going to do it. Mm -hmm. They're just not. And so it becomes a decision of, okay, is this a requirement in my sales organization? Hint, hint, it should be. Um, or is it something that this person's been a high performer for so long, like, I'll just let them do what they're doing. You have to be wise enough to know that that may be working for now, but that's finite. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. TikTok on that kind of thing, right? So it's going to be a reckoning for sales leaders, I think, too. They're going to have to make some tough decisions. Absolutely. So Anita, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave the Enterprise Value Collective with today? Be curious about AI, right? If you haven't done anything, just start asking, like, what can it do? What can it do? Because I'm sure there are some people that are savvy and some people maybe won't admit that they haven't looked at AI. But start there. Use that genuine curiosity of where can I make this work, but always with the intention to support that customer success. So if you go in it with that intention and then you know that you're not going to just, you know, bogus, like totally replicate all the messaging, I think you'll be good. Start with curiosity and then your intent. Um, both of those have to be right spot on in order for this to work effectively. And I don't want a customer for a deal. I want a customer for life. And that mm -hmm. only happens when you're real and when you create that connection. So figure out how it can help you do that, right? Without trying to take it away from you or diminish it in some way. That's great advice. Uh, well, thank you so much, Anita, for joining us on the Value Coffee Talk podcast. Thank you for having me. Awesome. If you haven't done so yet, please sign up for the Enterprise Value Collective. You can do that on LinkedIn or on our GeniusDrive.com website. Stay in touch with us on the latest tools, insights, research, and advice. And uh, definitely join up for um, us in a future podcast by subscribing. So you'll get notified of new episodes and hit the like button. If you liked Anita's interview, Collective. keep sharing and growing together.